Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is, what, God, man, boy, Days clicking off, dude. 19th day of January 2024, and this is episode 843 of Bitcoin, and we've got a lot of stuff to cover, but not before I talk to you about my good friend Dubrovko, who is in the Circle P today. It is the middle of winter. Well, actually, not the middle. February will be the middle of winter, but March is coming. Depending on how far south you live, you might want to consider starting a black soldier fly bin. What are black soldier flies? Well, they will literally eat anything that you throw into their bin. Meat, lettuce, old sandwiches, I, you know, old, old whatever. I mean, if if you want to, if you, for whatever reason, you got to fl- clean out foodstuffs and you just don't want to, you're just looking at food and you're throwing it away, which is bad anyway, but you want to do something with it. If you have a black soldier fly bin and you put your waste food in there and maybe even some grass clippings and some other stuff, it's like it, it, it's a, they don't really care what they're eating. They will turn it into the best fertilizer that you've ever seen. It's, it's an interesting thing. Um, I have a show planned to do everything about black soldier fly. But start thinking about what it is. You've got Google. You've got Bing. <laughs> I know. You've got DuckDuckGo. Just, just look for what black soldier flies can actually do. Because once that larvae is finished doing what it's going to do, it crawls itself out. So it's self-harvest. And there are a lot of crude protein. And there's a lot of crude fat in those little critters. And guess what likes to eat them? Fish, ducks, chickens, you name it, man. It's animal feed. And it's free. It's living on the on the food that you were going to throw into the garbage dump anyway. My friend Dubrovko, you can get a hold of him. He's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. His Noster handle is at Oak Grove, like oak tree, but Oak Grove, like a grove of oaks. Get a hold of him through DM on Noster and tell him that you heard about him on the Circle P and that you're interested in purchasing some of his black soldier fly larvae, and that way you can pre-propagate your black soldier fly bin with the help of my friend Dubrovko. And if you mentioned that you got you heard it from uh, me, he will cut me in on whatever satoshis you spend because he takes Bitcoin for his goods and services. Now on to the news: <clears throat> Bitcoin has surpassed silver to become the second largest ETF commodity in the United States. Some people are thinking that it means that Bitcoin surpassed silver as far as market cap. That is not true. However, it has surpassed the spot Bitcoin ETFs have surpassed silver ETFs in 
Total Assets Under Management. Bitcoin Magazine, this one is written by Nick Hoffman. Bitcoin exchange-traded funds have surpassed silver ETFs in the United States, securing their position as the second largest ETF commodity in terms of assets under management. The surge in popularity of Bitcoin ETFs signal a growing acceptance of BTC as a mainstream investment vehicle. As reported by The Block, Bitcoin's ascent marks a significant milestone for the Bitcoin market. This achievement is attributed to the increasing demand from institutional and retail investors seeking exposure to BTC. Silver, which has an $11.5 billion asset under management number across five different silver ETFs, was passed by spot Bitcoin ETFs, which now hold hold over $28 billion, less than a week after going live. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The price doesn't seem to, to be reflecting that. that. There's market mechanics at work there. Quote, Bitcoin ETFs have exceeded silver ETFs in the United States in terms of size, driven by the substantial market interest that they have received, Bitfinex head of derivatives, Jog Kuner, told the block. Quote, the level of trading reflects the pent-up demand for these products, and we expect that it will lead to increased liquidity and stability in the market, end quote. This development is particularly noteworthy given silver's traditional status as a prominent commodity investment. The rise of the Bitcoin ETFs to the second position underscores Bitcoin's maturation within the financial markets, gaining credibility and recognition as a formidable asset or investment option. Investors' growing appetite for Bitcoin ETFs reflect a broader trend of diversification within portfolios and a recognition of the unique value proposition offered by BTC. As the Bitcoin market continues to evolve, the achievement of surpassing silver ETFs solidifies Bitcoin's position as a major player in the global financial landscape. All right, so we're talking like five or six days. How long has silver ETFs been around? I I don't know. Let's let's find out. Uh, First silver, let's, let's try this. First silver ETF. Let's see what, what, what we what we get out here. What is the oldest silver ETF? Is the iShares, now that'd be BlackRock, Silver Trust. And it was launched by iShares in April of 2006. 2006. That's like, what, 17 years ago? Well, no, actually it'd be like six, uh, uh, six, 18 years ago. 18 years it took silver to get to this point. Bitcoin blows by it in five, six days. Now, this I get the fact that people are pissed off about the ETFs. I, I get that point. But like I've said before, we were going to get this whether we liked it or not. So what what is the golden nugget that we can pull out of the ETFs here is that it's, it seems fairly clear that people wanted this product. Retail investment houses, family offices, they wanted this and they got it. And then they bought the living crap out of it to the point that in just a handful, a fistful of days, it blows past silver's 18 year history in the ETFs. Probably that's probably noteworthy. We probably should be looking at that as what, what that kind of foretells for the future. Will it be a good future or a bad future? Nobody knows. Nobody can tell you. 
I wish we could, but all the technical analysis in the world is, is can cannot hold a candle to what the hell's going on in Bitcoin markets right now. It's a very confusing landscape. I'm seeing market flashing, you know, uh, the Bitcoin price flashing things that I've never seen it do before. And that's how much demand there was for the ETFs, which means that that's how much power the ETFs have to actually affect the markets that we've come to be used to. We were used to certain kinds of behavior in the market. All those behaviors, you can just throw them all out of the window. What Whatever you thought was a normal day for Bitcoin, which to normies is not normal at all, but for us it was, All you can kiss all that goodbye. Because it's all gone because of the ETFs. So again, good or bad, I don't know. I wish I did. But that little there's that little nugget that says that there was a whole bunch of people that really wanted to buy this product. Why would they want to buy the product if they didn't have some semblance of thinking, wow, this this may be a thing. It's not, I don't, I don't, I just don't see a whole bunch of people taking a whole bunch of their money and saying, ah, it's a gamble. Let's, let's just, let's just do it on this one. You know, we've only been around for 15, 16 years here. And already just within five days, silver, the Bitcoin ETF just takes silver and just throws it in the garbage can. Kind of amazing, but it comes at a cost. Does it not? And nobody feels that more intuitively and acutely than grayscale because grayscale's GBTC there it's bleeding and it drives down its assets under management by almost five billion dollars. Anna Paula Parira, I can't pronounce her name, from Coin Telegraph outflows from Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust, the GBTC intensified in the first days of trading as a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund contributing to the decline in assets under management by nearly $5 billion. And according to data from YChart and Grayscale, the ETF's total assets dropped from $28.5 billion on January the 10th to $23.7 billion on January the 18th. Bitcoin's price decline also explains the drop in assets under management as the underlying asset of the ETF. Bitcoin's market value has a direct impact on the that value of that fund. And at the time of writing, Bitcoin's price is down 4% over the past week, trading at $40,582 at time of writing. Anyway, outflows from GBTC were anticipated. However, the ETF's approval by the SEC on January the 10th allowed GBTC hodlers to convert and redeem their shares for Bitcoin. Prior to that, Investors would have had to sell their shares on the secondary market to exit their positions. Approximately $1.1 billion has flowed out of Grayscale's ETF in a three-day period as holders sought lower fees from Grayscale's competitors and took advantage of a narrow discount on the shares. Anthony Scaramucci, founder of Skybridge Capital, told Bloomberg that certain GBTC investors were realizing losses and switching to cheaper ETF options. To illustrate the cost gap, GBTC has a fee of 1.5%, while other ETFs have fees as low as 0.2%, plus six months of free investing. CoinRoute CEO Dave Weisberger noted on Twitter that GBTC hodlers 
composition may be playing a significant role in the wave of outflows, along with hedge seekers discounts and other investors jumping to lower fees, panic selling could be contributing to recent market movements. According to Weisberger, quote, taxable accounts taking profit or panic selling to preserve them are the issue. We have no idea what the percentage of these are or the average price of entry for the holders, end quote. While GBTC faces its first storm as a spot Bitcoin ETF, other Bitcoin funds are moving in a different direction. Issuers added another net 10,667 Bitcoin to their portfolios on the fifth trading day amid increased activity. According to data from CC15 Capital, there has been a net addition of approximately $440 million in the Bitcoin holdings of users. A significant portion of this increase was attributed to BlackRock's ETF, which acquired eh, right around 8,700 BTC, valued at roughly $358 million. Since their inception, nine ETFs, excluding Grayscale, have collectively purchased close to 68,500 BTC. That's a lot. And I think we're, I think I got another story in here where we talk about this issue of the nine. Because they say nine, since their inception, nine ETFs, excluding Grayscale, have collectively purchased. So we're going to be talking about the nine. Think in your memory about a book that has the nine in it. What could that be? Hmm, I don't know. But somewhere along the way, we're going to find out. Now, Grayscale CEO, their new one, I suppose, has a warning. Only two or three spot Bitcoin ETFs are here to stay. Now, before we get into it, remember what I told you like last week, at the end of last week, I was saying that what the, one of the first things we had 11, I don't know what, where they're coming up with, with nine, excluding Grayscale, because that would be 10. From what I understand, 11 ETFs were actually approved. So that's kind of confusing, but we'll, we'll figure out what the hell's going on. But I was going somewhere with that, and I can't believe I can't believe I I, I completely blew that one. Um, what the hell? Oh oh oh! I know where what, what I was going. I was going to say that at least five of these brand new Bitcoin ETFs, these spot ETFs, going to go bye bye, and they're going to go bye bye real quick. They're going to go bye bye within a year. That's that's my gut instinct. And every time one of these spot Bitcoin ETFs goes away, then the media is going to get a hold of that like a rabid dog with bones and meat. And they're just going to have a heyday. They're going to say, look, see, see, this this is a bad idea. So just be prepared for that fear, uncertainty, and doubt when it eventually and inevitably arrives. But this one is written by Helen Parts for Cointelegraph. Most... Of the spot Bitcoin exchange-traded funds approved by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission will not survive, Grayscale Investment CEO Michael Sonnenshine says. In a January 18th interview with CNBC at, God God forbid, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Sonnenshine predicted that the majority of the 11 approved spot Bitcoin ETFs will likely fail. The United States SEC officially approved, that's what I thought, 11 spot Bitcoin ETFs on January the 10th, 
with 10 beginning to trade the very next day. Many ETF issuers were actively lowering their trading fees to raise competitiveness with other ETF sponsors, with most of the approved ETFs setting fees between 0.2 and 0.4%. Multiple spot Bitcoin ETF providers also offered temporary fee waivers. But on the other hand, Grayscale charges as much as 1.5% with no waivers whatsoever. Sun and Shine defended Grayscale's fees for its spot Bitcoin ETF product, which are the highest in the market, stating that only two or three spot Bitcoin ETFs will actually survive and the rest will be pulled from the market. Quote, I think from our standpoint, it may at times call into question their long-term commitment to the asset class. I don't ultimately think that the marketplace will have ultimately these 11 spot products that we find ourselves having in quote. His remarks came on the fifth day of spot Bitcoin ETF trading in the United States. Since the trading launch, Grayscale has become the only issuer aggressively dumping Bitcoin, offloading as much as 37,947 BTC by January the 18th. In contrast, the other nine issuers have added at least 40,000 BTC to their products since the start of trading. So I guess they bought all of Grayscale's ETF. Uh, God, or their Bitcoin. That's just sad to see. Quantum Economics founder Matty Greenspan doesn't rule out the possibility that most ETF issuers will likely fail in the long term because most investors will prefer to hold their assets or opt for self-custody. Quote, for now, having spot ETFs is a good way for some portfolio managers to gain exposure who wouldn't otherwise be able to, Greenspan told Cointelegraph, adding, quote, but having 11 of them? is pretty ridiculous. There will have to be a consolidation and they all know it, which is why fees are on the floor, end quote. Some executives at Spot Bitcoin ETF issuers believe there is no conflict between self-custody and Spot Bitcoin ETFs. Quote, self-custody and an ETF are not mutually exclusive, ARK Invest Kathy Wood said during a space on Twitter. On January the 10th, she also noted that ARK's Bitcoin ETF, which charges 0.21%, doesn't aim to maximize profits. Quote, we are looking at Bitcoin as a public good. And one of the ways to do that is this low fee product. We have other actively managed strategies where we can do more on the profitability side. That is not our objective here. So I'm, I think I was right. I, I'm not alone in this belief that you're going to see I think there will be five. I think there will be five five products that actually survive. The other five or six, or how I guess it's going to be six if there was truly eleven. That's and that's seems to be confirmed. The other six are going to go bye bye. And who's going to profit from that? Well, the remaining five. They're going to absorb all of the Bitcoin from those other six. You know, soon to be defunct ETFs. But remember. That's not the point. Here's the point. Every single no-coiner under the sun is going to come at every single Bitcoin and say, see, I told you, this is a bad idea. And it's not going to have, it's not even an argument. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever that that would be a reason why Bitcoin would fail because an ETF failed. No, that's the ETF's fault. That's their management. That has nothing to do at all with the underlying asset. 
I'm sure that there have been gold ETFs that have failed. Does that mean that it's gold is a bad idea? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm not a fan of shiny metal rocks because I can't teleport it across space and time, but that doesn't mean that I don't think gold ha- doesn't have any value at all. It does. But I'll bet you that there's been a couple of gold. There's probably been a couple of ETFs on silver that have failed. Does it make the underlying asset responsible for that failure? Not in the least. However, that is exactly how they're going to spin it. And I'll bet you the same people never, ever said that it's gold's fault that a gold ETF failed or that it's silver's fault that an ETF failed. All right, so just be aware that that is, that is definitely on the horizon. Gary Gensler, he's, he approved the ETFs, but now the empire strikes back. J.W. Verrett from Cointelegraph. The Bitcoin spot ETF is the first investment product that will allow investors to get direct exposure to Bitcoin's price. The approval came after a lengthy lawsuit led by D.C. Circuit Court to rule that the SEC had been hypocritical in approving Bitcoin futures, but not spot ETFs. SEC Chairman Gary Gensler made clear his distaste in having to vote for the ETFs in a statement following the vote. This was the first time that an SEC chairman ever approved an ETF. And by the way, (laughs) and by way of the approval, made a speech advising people against buying that particular ETF. That's inconsistent with the SEC's disclosure-centric mission. Has the Bitcoin community won? Did we really beat Gary not so fast? Permit a Star Wars analogy. (laughs) We are in the second movie, The Empire Strikes Back. Hope for the Bitcoin revolution in money and as a store of value is not lost, but Gensler is building a second Death Star as we speak. As we speak, ladies and gentlemen, before investment advisors and brokers can recommend to their clients that they should buy a piece of the Bitcoin spot ETF, they will need to comply with new rules adopted by the SEC in 2019 called Regulation Best Interest or Reg BI. REG-BI is a Kafka-esque regulation stretching to hundreds of pages adopted by the SEC whose top-line points are that advisors should conform to a duty of care and that that also includes particular disclosure requirements. I need to pause. When people say Kafka-esque, it's okay if you don't know what that means. The only reason that I know what it means is because I took a, a like history of the novel in college as one of my English classes. And one of the books that was read was The Trial by a guy named Kafka. If you want to know what Kafka-esque actually means and have a really good root of what of just how bizarre shit can get, read Kafka's The Trial. You will never, ever, ever get to a point where you hear Kafka-esque and not start to shiver at just how brutally stupid things can get. How just, it's like, it's a whole novel almost of pure gaslighting, this poor dumb son of a bitch. He has no idea what what his crimes are. He has no idea. It's like having a trial in an attic or something like that. It's It's been a long time since I've read it. But it's just pure idiocy all the way through that book. Yet a guy's life hangs in the balance because of these weird rules. Nobody will tell him what the hell's going on. He has no idea why he's even on trial. It's just bad, bad, bad. 
That's what Kafka-esque means. But to really, truly understand that at the pit level of your stomach, you've got to read the trial. Now, continuing. A duty of care sounds nice, but it is a nebulous idea that is entirely undefined in Reg BI in this case. It therefore lends itself to investors suing their advisors based on hindsight bias when their investment doesn't grow as they expect after the fact. <gasps> if if you were a uniquely politically minded SEC chairman motivated to cater to the single anti-Bitcoin Senator Elizabeth Warren who single-handedly forced President Biden to nominate you in exchange for her decision to withdraw from the Democratic presidential primary, you just might be tempted to abuse the subjective judgments left open by Reg B.I., to openly discourage those investment advisors and brokers governed by Reg BI from advising their clients to invest in the new Bitcoin spot ETFs. And that description is not an actual hypothetical. It's more of a prediction. It will happen. Indeed, it has already begun to happen. Vanguard has openly told clients that they are not allowed to invest in the Bitcoin ETF products listed on Fidelity and nearly every other brokerage platform. And this is because they are betting that the Reg BI uncertainty will be abused to openly discouraged investment in this platform that the SEC was forced by the federal courts to open up. This is where Gensler will strike back. In the form of examination of investment advisors and brokers by SEC examiners and threats of SEC enforcement staff. This is the weapon of the bureaucracy who adheres to an anti-Bitcoin ethos flowing from Gensler's Senate patron in Elizabeth Warren, who backed him for his role as SEC chairman. The short-term tactic by the SEC chairman, whose term is over, will not matter much to native Bitcoiners who find the idea of an ETF wrapper around Bitcoin silly anyway. It will merely mean that baby boomers will be delayed in their efforts to diversify their portfolios, courtesy of Gary Gensler. So what did we just read? We read what is probably 100% actually going to happen. So Reg BI is going to be used as a weapon by Gary Gensler and the SEC to discourage brokers from advising their clients that, hey, there's this Bitcoin spot ETF. So even if the brokerage firm can actually deal in you know, buying and redeeming shares of like BlackRock's iShares Bitcoin Trust, it won't matter because the advisors of the clients will tell their clients, they either will tell their clients that it doesn't exist or, if or never tell them about it at all. And if their client calls them up and says, hey, my, my broker friend, my analyst guy, I hear that there's this thing called a spot Bitcoin ETF. How, how may I partake of such a thing? And the broker will say, I advise against it. And 85% of the people will listen to their brokers and they will have fun staying poor. I'm, I'm, this shit ju- has just begun, right? Do not, do not, do not trust these people as far as you can throw them. Please don't because it'll come back and bite you right square in the ass. Now, where are we at here? Oh, look, hold on. I'm just looking at something. 
Yeah, we'll go ahead and do this one. Ego Death Capital is raising $100 million to invest in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So here's a little bit of good news. Nick Hoffman writing for Bitcoin Magazine. In a move to catalyze the growth within the Bitcoin ecosystem, EO Death Capital announced the launch of a new funding round called Fund 2, aiming at raising $100 million. Founded in 2021, the VC firm led by Jeff Booth, Andy Pitt, Nico Lechuga, with advisory support from Preston Pish, Lynn Alden, and Pablo Fernandez, has successfully initiated, initiated Fund 2 with a focus on investing in companies driving Bitcoin's acceleration. Quote, a parallel system bringing truth, hope, and abundance to our world is growing much faster than people realize, and we feel super fortunate <laughs> to be a part of it, said founding partner Jeff Booth. Fund One, which raised $25.2 million, demonstrated the foresight of ego death capital in recognizing Bitcoin's emergence not just as a store of value, but as a foundational layer for a new peer-to-peer decentralized internet tied to energy. The success of their initial fund was marked by strategic investments in companies like Fetty, Breeze, Sonoda, Relay, and Wolf. The landscape in 2024 still reveals a gap in Series A funding for Bitcoin-only companies, with venture capital yet to fully grasp the transformative nature of the Bitcoin protocol and its layer development. Fund 2 seeks to bridge this gap, providing crucial support for Bitcoin-focused entrepreneurs who face the challenge of not only pitching their business metrics, but also educating investors about the profound shifts in the Bitcoin space. As the world undergoes a transition from operating on a dishonest ledger, per the press release, this is the press release from EgoDeath, to one built on honesty with Bitcoin, EgoDeath Capital's Fund 2 aims to play a pivotal role in identifying and nurturing enduring businesses that contribute to this transformative shift. The $100 million fund hopes to represent a significant step toward fostering innovation and value creation within the burgeoning Bitcoin ecosystem. Those interested in participating in the funding can reach out here, and that would be egodeath.capital forward slash contact. So you can just go to egodeathcapital, egodeath.capital, that is egodeath.capital forward slash contact if you want to see what the hell this is all about. Um, and just a just a note here before we get into the actual numbers. Here's another number. Tether has bought more Bitcoin. Their holdings now stand at $2.8 billion. So something that this promise from Tether a while back that they were going to continuously buy Bitcoin, it seems to actually be happening. So the problem is, is that we got $2.8 billion. Let's see if I can find a number of uh, 8,888 BTC. Ooh, it's a row of eights. That's what they own. That's what's at risk because Tether itself is at risk. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I have a sneaky suspicion. It's a gut feeling that Tether is going to get just blown out by regulators in all parts of the world. I don't know when it's going to happen. And I'm not even suggesting that Tether themselves are at fault. I don't know. I don't use Tether. I hear stories. I hear the same stories that you hear. But I got a gut feeling that is going to suggest that they're not playing ball as much as somebody like Circle is playing ball. And whoever plays ball with the United States DOJ and FBI and all that kind of stuff the best 
will be the will will be the stable coin that doesn't get blown out first. But I essentially believe that eventually all of the stable coins are going to have some serious pressure put on them. And that's why I don't like the thought of Tether holding that much actual physical Bitcoin. I would much rather them be holding United States Treasury bonds and they can just go fight their way out with the banks. Anyway, let's run numbers. Okay, Ben. CNBC has live breaking news. Alec Baldwin is apparently facing new manslaughter charges over the 2021 Rust movie set shooting, in case you wanted to know. But uh, here's what we're after is CNBC Futures and Commodities. Oil, West Texas Intermediate has dropped by 0.8% to $73.47. Brent North Sea down 0.59%. Natural gas is down 6%. Man, boy, natural gas is falling. Uh, gasoline is down a full point, $2.16 a gallon. Gold is up almost a half, but silver is down 0.38%. Platinum is down three quarters of a point. Copper is up 1.15%. Palladium is up scant. Everything in ag is in the green today. The biggest winner is going to be who? It's going to be coffee, 2.61% to the upside. Live cattle, however, are down a half point. Lean hogs are down a half point. Feeder cattle are down a quarter. Uh, Dow is up, row of sticks, 1.11%. The S&P is up 1.18%. NASDAQ is up 1.81%. And the S&P mini is up almost a full point. We have a Bitcoin price of $41,550. The average transaction value is 0.9 BTC. Median transaction value is $87.06. Block times are a little bit low, 9 minutes and 52 seconds, 0.64 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, and a measly 93.6 taken overall in the last 24 hours. With a 13.21% increase in hash rate, we're back up to 524.9 exahashes per second, and your shitcoin indicator doge is 7.8 United States pennies, so the shitcoin field is having a rough day of it as well. Now, let's see here. If I can grab my the right window, I can tell you that there are 544 blocks carrying 282,000 transactions waiting to clear mimples around the world at transaction rates of, ooh, pretty low today. 41 Satoshis per V-byte for high priority. That's about two and a half bucks. Low priority is 39 Satoshis per V-byte. Anything under 23 is being purged from mimples across the world. And I've got a 500 exahash hash rate flashing here on mempool.space forward slash mining. So there you go. What I find interesting, what I was laughing about the uh, number of blocks is that it, 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 the backlog has been stable for like a week. It's always just under 550 blocks. It's been carrying about 280,000 unconfirmed transactions it's been doing that forever. It's weird. It, I would imagine that there would have been more fluctuation, but it is what it is. Now, on to the fact that I am still all you know not in the top 10 for the Bitcoin and podcast on Fountain Charts. But that's okay because I am trying to get, well, well people are lending a hand like the Wild Hustle who threw out 10,000 Satoshis says, keep up the great work. The models are broken. 
but the zap button still works. And I came to listen because of the Noster slash Stacker News post. Deleted my Twitter because Noster slash Stacker News is better. He's right. It is better. It really is. And I'm glad to see the wild hustle over here. I hope you're listening right now. Hey, Kid Warp, I see you over there in the um, in the zap.stream. Thank you for the 2100 Satoshis. I do appreciate it. God's Death with 1370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. 420 from Pies. Bruce Lee, quote, be like water. Agreed. That should be the first thing that I start saying to myself every morning when I wake up. Uh, Pies with another 121 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. User 79709908 with 100 sats says nothing. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. It's probably going to be a shorter show today, but that's okay. Appellate court order appointment of FTX independent examiner by the third circuit court of appeals. So yeah, something weird is something, something fishy is going on. I think coin telegraph, maybe Turner, Wright will tell us more about it months after the first ruling, the United States court of appeals for the third circuit ordered the judge overseeing the bankruptcy of cryptocurrency exchange FTX to appoint an independent examiner. In a January 19th opinion, three judges with the Third Circuit Court reversed a ruling from Judge John Dorsey with the United States Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware, requiring the court to appoint an examiner to oversee FTX's case. In February of 2023, Judge Dorsey denied a motion from the United States trustee in FTX's bankruptcy case, Andrew Vara, to appoint an examiner leading to the appeals process. According to the judges, allowing an independent examiner to oversee the bankruptcy case would provide greater transparency to potential investors for the involving and volatile cryptocurrency industry. The Third Circuit Court said an independent investigation would allow the bankruptcy court to consider the greater public interest in rulings related to FTX's reorganization plan. Quote, an investigation into FTX's group's use of its own cryptocurrency tokens, FTT, to inflate the value of FTX and Alameda Research could bring the cryptocurrency under further scrutiny, thereby alerting potential investors to undisclosed credit risks in other cryptocurrency companies, said the Jan 19th decision. They filed, FTX filed for Chapter 11 back in 2022. Um, on December the 16th, debtors representing defunct crypto exchange FTX filed an amended reorganization plan in bankruptcy court proposing compensating investors for lost assets based on their value as of November the 11th, 2022. The debtors later released estimates of all asset prices, including $16,871 for Bitcoin, roughly 58% less than the 40349 price at the time of publication. Something, so Turner doesn't know what what is not being said by the court as to their appointment of after all this time, after all this time, now is when the Third Circuit Court of Appeals gets around to saying, hey, we should probably have an independent investigation of what's going on over there at FTX. Is John J. Ray just not cutting the cheese? I mean, 
something something weird is going on and we knew something was weird with FTX and we and then the bankruptcy happened and then we said ah see we were right something weird with FTX no 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 when i mean something weird is going on i mean between the thing with his parents cuz they're being sued they're somehow involved and a lot more directly than anybody was led to believe you got John J. Ray who's doing his thing. You got the Third Circuit Court of Appeals freaking out, saying we need an independent investigator. I smell a I smell a rat that has not been found yet. We thought we found all the rats, right? No. There's another couple of more rats that are scuttling around the boat. We need to sniff them out. And I think that that's what's going on is the Third Circuit Court is going, uh-uh. Something very fishy is going on. We need an independent investigation outside of John J. Ray and all the rest of the guys that are doing the bankruptcy shit. We need another set of eyes. So something even deeper is going on with Alameda Research, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, and that whole bunch. Question is, will they actually find anything out? I don't know, man. I don't know. I kind of want that whole thing to be over, but... It is what it is. Chaos Chicken with 2100 Satoshis over here in Zapstream. I do appreciate it. It really does help, by the way. Now, let's see. Oh, I for some reason, that story was up twice, which means that I, I think, hold on for a second. Let me, let me pull something up. Make sure I've got something. There's There needs to be something here that I think is not here. That may be it. Uh, we may have to not do that one. Yeah, I think we're just going to leave that one out. Okay. Oh, God dang it. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I screwed this up again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to get, let's see, this one, this one. Oh, I did have it up twice. That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. Well, I'm not going to worry about it too much because like I said, this is going to be a shorter show than normal. So I'm just going to get rid of that one. Here we go. All right. Hash rate index. 2023 Bitcoin mining year in review. So this is a pretty good rundown of what was going on with mining during the year of 2023. And it's brought to you by nobsbitcoin.com. Quote, 2024 will be a make or break year for many miners. Those who spent the last year preparing by upgrading their fleets with more efficient hardware, cutting excess cost, and optimizing their operations in every way will be the best prepared to weather this coming year. The free version of this... Oh, never mind. I'm not going to do that one. Here's the highlights. Bitcoin's hash rate doubled. Bitcoin's seven-day average hash rate swelled from 255 exahashes per second to 516 over the year of 2023, which is a 102% increase, and that dwarfs 2021 and 2022's relatively modest increase of 18% and 41%, respectively. 2023's average for Bitcoin's seven-day average hash rate was 382 exahashes per second. Bitcoin's hash rate hit all-time highs of 545 exahashes per second on the seven-day average and 510 on the 30-day average in 2023 as well. Now, hash price volatility hit a multi-year high. 
United States dollar hash price exceeded market expectations in 2023, rising an impressive 71% over the course of the year from $59.42, well, $59.42 per petahash per day to $101.78 per day. Inscriptions. Here, let's see what they say about this crap. Inscriptions and ordinals juice transaction fees. 2023 was a penultimate year for transaction fee rewards in Bitcoin's history. Miners earned $798 million in transaction fees in the year of 2023, a haul that is second only to 2021's record of $1.01 billion in fees. The fees constituted 7.6% of block rewards in 2023 compared to 1.5% in 2022. So honestly, from that, from the fee rate, it actually looks like 2022 actually did better, which is odd, but there it is. So, you know, and honestly, that actually kind of means, because we didn't have, we didn't have inscriptions and ordinals in 2022. Like, as far as I remember, that was not live yet, that that only went live at the beginning of 2023. So everybody that we were all bitching about, oh, well, it's like, look what it's doing. Ordinals are doing to transaction fees. Maybe not as much as we thought. Maybe not as much as we thought. That doesn't mean that inscriptions and ordinals are like, like I'm going to go out and, and start saying, go buy them. No, they're stupid and they always will be stupid. But given these numbers, this does not look to me like inscriptions and ordinals did anything more than just be a regular transaction that people were willing to pay for because we didn't get as many fees by quite a lot from mining as we did in 2022. I find that odd that there's probably more to it than that, but that's what it is. Now the ASIC market does find a bottom in 2023. The miner prices entered 2023 in a downtrend. That downtrend finally found a bottom in the fourth quarter of last year. Taking a close look at new and used ASIC models, we can see that premiums for new ASIC models rose as 2023 wore on. The chart below shows the percentage difference in dollars per terahash between new and used ASICs from 1 to 200. I can't can't read what I'm reading, so I'm just going to say, okay, or... We'll do it this way. The percentage difference in dollars per terahash between new and used ASICs from orders from Luxor's ASIC trading desk market data. And indeed, that is true. Power prices fell, but only slightly. In the United States, electricity and fuel prices experienced record inflation in 2022. But 2023 delivered some relief in this inflationary onslaught, but only slightly and only to industrial power consumers. So industrial miners probably going to be okay. Going to be okay. Uh, Great expansion for most public miners. Of the 12 miners that we track, seven of them more than doubled their hash rate over the year. Marathon saw the most growth, expanding its hash rate from seven exahashes per second to get this, 24. That's more than a 3x They expanded their mining by over three times in a single year for Marathon. 
gee, maybe they know something that nobody else does. Like, or, well, the no coiners do because <laughs> you don't, you, you don't dump that CapEx into something that is just dumb. You don't. So, yes. Significant regulatory and legislative action. 2023 was perhaps one of the most active years for policy proposals and formal government actions directed towards the Bitcoin mining industry. And there's a whole bunch of examples, and I'm not going to read them all because there's too much Senator Elizabeth Warren in all of this shit, and I'm just, I'm just kind of done with her. Finally, mining pool leaderboard. Below, we show the top 10 Bitcoin mining pools by year by blocks mined from 2017 to 2023. And Ant Pool comes in at number one. Uh, actually, for 2023, it's Foundry. And number two is Ant Pool. And then F2 Pool via BTC, Binance comes in at number five, Marathon at six, Luxor at seven, BTC.com at eight, Brains Pool is duh, number nine, and Poolin comes in last at number 10. So there you go. Speaking of mining, I came across a picture this morning that made me sad. It is a cargo container. You know, the containers that you see on ships like Maersk and, and stuff like that. Your standard cargo containers are our choice for, you know, being able to build the thing out as a Bitcoin mining rig. You know, or put a whole bunch of rigs in there and, um, and, and they just use the containers for that. Right. So in that way, they can drop it on a pad next to like a abandoned natural gas well and, and do all the things that they're going to do. There's a picture of one that shows like you're halfway in the container and you're basically looking down the length of it. And it's just three racks all the way down of miners that are frozen solid in ice with a huge amount of snow on the floor inside this container. And so I got to think, and there's, there's literally nothing, there's, there's no context. I don't know where it is. But here's, here's what I think happened. I think that this is in Texas. And I think what happened was that this particular mining you know, set was somewhere and they had to shut it off. So none of these miners were actually actively working and somebody left the door open and got hit with snow because the entire bottom of this thing, there's like a foot or two feet of snow in the bottom of this thing. All the power cords are frozen over. All the ASICs are frozen over. All the racks are frozen over. It's really sad to see. So what I think will happen is that a lot of people are saying that this is a total loss for this container. Maybe. I think it depends on whether or not those ASIC miners were actually in operation at the time. And given what I'm looking at, I don't think they were. I think that they were, uh, let me, I'm going to actually drop this over here for these, for the guys in zap.stream to view. If you can see this, let me kind of straighten it up. That's the whole picture. <clears throat> I don't think these things, actually there's, looks like there's might be four, rack, four full racks of miners. Um, I don't think it was an operation. I th- because the Texas grid was being stressed. So a lot of the miners in Texas basically shut down their mining rigs all over the place and diverted all the energy that they were using to the Texas grid. That's the only, that's the only thing that I can think of here. So if they were in operation and this happened there, these ASICs are probably toast or at least the fans are 
right? And if they burned out uh, because they the fans froze over and then the boards like basically cooked themselves, then it's a total loss. But if they were shut down and they froze like this, I think you could just thaw them out. Because as long as there's not electricity running inside the circuitry, even if circuitry gets wet, as long as it's fully dry, by the time you actually crank that son of a bitch back up, it should be fine. But we'll, you know, we'll have to see. But I, you know, this, what I'm looking at is kind of a horrific thing to walk into. And it just makes me wonder about the guy that accidentally left the door open. (laughs) I feel really bad for that guy. All right, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says, jokes. Albert Einstein was a genius, but his brother Frank was a monster. Yeah. All right, so it's Friday. Um, I should be back to you on Monday or Tuesday, depending. Uh, we've been getting quite a bit of snow and cold around these parts as of late, and it's kind of messing things up with my kids' school and, you know, wife got sick and stuff like that. So it's kind of up in the air. I will do what I can to come back to you and bring you the news as to whatever the hell is going to occur over this weekend. But just, I think the most important thing is these, these, there's two things here from today's show that I, I kind of want you to leave with is one, remember that at least six of the Bitcoin ETFs that were started trading six days ago ago or so or whatever it was, nine days ago, um, they're going to die. And their death, their corpse will be dragged behind the buggies of mainstream media for as long as they can hold together to say, this is why Bitcoin is bad. And the second part of that story is going to come from Gary Gensler using the Reg BI bullshit to stand on analysts and brokers at large investment houses and say, you better not tell your clients that these things exist. And if they find out on their own that they do exist, you need to advise them against buying this. That's going to happen. I I fully agree with the author of that story. That is going to happen. And those things are probably going to be conjunctive, right? They're, they'll probably, we'll probably see the first ET, Bitcoin spot ETF die in a couple, in a few weeks from here. That'll be the first one. And it will be the one that got the least amount of traction out of the gate, whatever. And I don't know who that is. Whichever one has the least amount of Bitcoin is probably going to be the first on the chopping block, right? And the minute that that happens, you're going to start hearing Gary Gensler talk about Reg BI. And they're going to do that as a coordinated move with mainstream media saying, look, this spot Bitcoin ETF is bad news. Look what happened to, to, to this one, even though it's not really going to affect the investors of that one. They're going to get their shit. <laughs> they're going to get their Bitcoin or they're going to be able to sell it and buy from another Bitcoin ETF, whatever. It's not really going to affect them, but mainstream media is going to make you believe that it does. And Gary Gensler is going to be singing his tune on the other end of the spectrum. And it's going to be like stereo FUD, right? From the left and from the right, it's going to be on both, both your ears is going to be FUD, FUD, FUD. So understand that that's going to happen. 
And this fight is going to last for a decade. It doesn't mean that the price won't still rocket up, but the fight is going to last for a decade. So just be prepared and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.